This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. Good morning, church. My name is Sam Bulmer, and I am one of the pastors here at LifeGate. This morning, I'd like to tell you a story um, about me growing up. Growing up, my dad had this mate named Jimmy Barnes, and I thought it was the most amazing thing in the world that my dad was mates with Jimmy Barnes. For those of you who don't know who Jimmy Barnes is, this is him. He's an Australian rock singer, and he was the lead singer of a band called Cold Chisel. Now, my dad was a big music fan, so I grew up listening to Jimmy's albums and just imagining how amazing it would be to one day get to meet him. I used to brag to my friends about how my dad was friends with Jimmy Barnes. So imagine my devastation the day that I discovered that my dad's mate actually wasn't Jimmy Barnes, but just some ordinary bloke named Jimmy Burns. Now, I had somehow in my young mind mixed up the two names and I had built up this expectation in my mind, and I believed that my dad's mate was Jimmy Barnes, but in reality, it was far from the truth. I wonder if you've ever had an experience like this where what you expected was different to what you got. No doubt we can all think of times when this has happened for us. Maybe in a restaurant, we've we've placed an order and what we've received looks nothing like the picture in the menu. Or maybe we've placed an an order online for some clothes and the picture on the website looks nothing like what you've received. Or maybe you had great expectations about what this year was going to look like. Maybe you had expectations of travelling or of hosting a big birthday party with all your family and friends. But due to travel restrictions and social distancing, the reality is far from what you had expected. This morning, I want to take you on a little journey through the days leading up to Jesus' death and through to the morning of his resurrection and look at the expectations of those closest to Jesus and how those expectations determined how they responded. The disciples had expectations around who they believed the Messiah was going to be and what he was going to do. Since they were young boys, they would have heard stories and been taught about the prophecies of who the Messiah was going to be, the one who would save the Jewish people. They had expectations about who this man was going to be and what he was going to be like and what he was going to do. They were expecting a conquering king, a political leader, someone from the line of David someone who would establish an earthly kingdom, who would overthrow their oppressors and who would restore Israel. And when Jesus turned up on the scene, the disciples believed that this was him. This was the Messiah, the one they had been waiting for. The one thing that the disciples did not expect, however, was that the Messiah would be arrested, trialed and executed. This did not fit in with their belief or their expectation of who the Messiah was going to be. The one who was meant to save the Jews wasn't meant to be killed. 
And in Mark 8, 31 to 32, we read about Jesus forewarning his disciples about, about what was going to happen to him. It says, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. You see, Peter's expectation determined the way he responded. Peter believed that Jesus was the promised Messiah, the one who had been prophesied about, and he was right. But his expectation about who the Messiah was going to be and what he was going to do didn't line up with what Jesus was telling him about being killed. And so Peter's response was to rebuke Jesus. And then on the night that Jesus was arrested, we see another display of Peter's expectations determining his response. It's still unthinkable to Peter that Jesus is going to be killed. And so his response is to fight for Jesus rather than watch him be arrested. And so he draws his sword and he chops off the ear of one of the soldiers who's there to take Jesus. And then Jesus is arrested and Peter is sitting in a courtyard around a fire. Can you imagine what must have been going through his mind? The expectations that he had of this Messiah. This isn't what he thought was going to happen. He didn't think that the Messiah was going to be killed. How is he going to restore and save the Jews if he's dead? And then a moment of fear for his own life, Peter denies even knowing who Jesus is. And then we get to the morning of the third day after Jesus has been killed. And again, we get a glimpse into the expectations of the disciples about who they believe Jesus to be. And in this case, their expectations actually determine what they don't do. It's been three days since Jesus has died. And where are the disciples? Back in Mark 8, which I read to you earlier, it says that Jesus told them that on the third day he would rise again. It's the third day, but there's no crowd outside the tomb holding banners saying, welcome back, this is the greatest day in history. The disciples' expectations was that Jesus was dead and that dead people stay dead. Well, friends, I have some wonderful news for you this morning. Thankfully, this is not the end of the story. The disciples may have been feeling full of grief and sorrow, confused about their expectations, confused that their expectations of the Messiah didn't match up with what had happened over the last few days. But Jesus is about to show us exactly who he is. In Matthew 28, we read the most incredible account of what happened on the third day. And we read about three groups of people and the responses that each of those three people, three groups of people, had on the day that they encountered the resurrected Jesus. Firstly, we read about the women. I'm going to read from Matthew 28 from verse 1. It says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, 
Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Now these women are heading to the tomb with expectation to find Jesus' dead body. They had seen him be killed. They'd seen him be buried. And so they're taking spices to go and anoint his, anoint his body. And then on the way to the tomb, in verse 2, we read, And then there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. I'm quite a visual person, and I just I love that image that the angel has come, he's rolled back the stone, and then he's sat on it. I just think that is just such a beautiful picture of an angel sitting on the stone that was holding Jesus back. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. They fainted. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he is risen, as he, had, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they quickly departed from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them. And said greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there you will see me. Wow, <laughs> what a morning these women are having. They expected to find Jesus' dead body lying in a tomb. But the most amazing thing has happened. Jesus has risen from the dead. And the scripture tells us that these women responded with great joy and by falling at the feet of Jesus and worshipping him. Secondly, we read about the response of the religious leaders and the guards. Picking up from verse 11, it says, While they were going, behold, some of the guards went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a significant sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him while we were asleep. And if this comes back to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Imagine that conversation between the guards and the chief priests. The fear that the guards must have been feeling as they spoke about what had happened, as they spoke about the angel, as they spoke about the, tomb, the, the stone being rolled away from the tomb and the tomb being empty. You know, they had one job, to keep the tomb secure. To fail in one's duty as a soldier was often punishable by death. And what must the religious leaders have been thinking? They thought that they had dealt with the problem of Jesus. They had killed him. He was dead. 
And now all of a sudden they're hearing that the problem's back. And so they come up with a plan to deny, to deny what's, what has happened. The Jewish leader, leaders expected that acknowledging that Jesus had risen from the dead was going to create some pretty big problems for them. So in order to preserve their power and their leadership, they responded in denial. And for the guards, they go along with it in order to keep their jobs and ultimately their life. Finally, we read about the response of the disciples. In verse 16 and 17, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Some of the disciples responded with doubt. These are people who had seen Jesus in his resurrected body. They'd seen him crucified. They'd seen him buried. They'd seen all that had happened over the last couple of days. And now they have the most incredible privilege to see Jesus standing in front of them, risen from the dead. And yet some doubted. Perhaps their confusion around their expectations of what they believed the Messiah, who they believed the Messiah was going to be, and what has just happened is still clouding their thinking and their response to Jesus standing in front of them. But, you know, Jesus loved his disciples. He loved them enough to disappoint them, to allow them to question his power and to struggle against their own expectations about him in order that they could experience true joy in the long term. You know, Jesus understood the big picture and what God was actually doing far exceeded the expectations of the disciples. Jesus understood that unlike Peter's expectation of a Messiah who would establish an earthly kingdom and overturn the Roman Empire, Jesus understood that he had come to establish a kingdom that would never end, a kingdom that was unlike anything ever seen before. Peter's expectation of the Messiah only took into consideration the here and now. But Jesus understood that what he was doing actually had eternal consequences. His death and his resurrection were foundational in not only making a way for the Jews to be saved, but for all of mankind to be saved. You see, God created the world and everything we see in it. There was purpose and beauty in his design and he created you and me to be in relationship with him. But God's originally perfect designed creation didn't last. You see, mankind turned their backs on God, not valuing their relationship with him. We decided to live our own way. We rebelled against God and his will for our lives. The Bible calls this sin and Romans 6.23 says the punishment 
for our sin is death. Sin cuts us off from God, the source of everything that life was meant to be. But, you know, God loves us so much that he could not leave us in our rebellion. He was not willing to leave us without hope. We needed a saviour and Jesus is our saviour. Jesus purposely went to the cross to offer his life as a payment for our sin. He gave his life for ours. You know, the punishment for our sin was death, but Jesus took that punishment on himself. And then on the third day, as we have just read, he rose from the dead, declaring God's power over death and declaring that death is not the final word. And the promise for those who believe this message is a restoration of our broken relationship with God, both now and for eternity. You know, this was not the expectation that the disciples had of Jesus during their time on earth, but it is the message that they spent the rest of their lives declaring and preaching. And it is a message that requires a response from you and I. This morning we've read about three responses. The women who believed and they worshipped Jesus. The religious leaders who denied him. And then some of the disciples who doubted what they saw. How will you respond to this message this morning? The death and the resurrection of Jesus offers us a wonderful gift a gift that we can do nothing to deserve, the gift of a restored relationship with God. And I want to give you the opportunity to respond like the women this morning who believed the message and who worshipped him. That looks like making a declaration of faith, of saying sorry for living your life, ignoring God, and then making a commitment to follow him. So if you would like to make that response this morning, then I would love you to join me in this prayer. Dear God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died and he rose again. God, I'm sorry for living my life apart from you. Please forgive me. Today I decide to become a follower of Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you just prayed that prayer, you've just become a Christian and we would love to support you in that journey. So we'd love you to either write a comment in the chat bar or to to request prayer so that we can help get alongside you and support you in that decision. I started off this morning by telling you about the story about my dad's mate who I thought was Jimmy Barnes and how my expectation of who this guy was didn't quite live up to reality. And then we had a look at the disciples' expectations of who they believed the Messiah was going to be. I reckon we probably have all had times when we've expected something from Jesus and things haven't panned out the way we thought they were going to. Maybe we've expected him to heal someone and it didn't happen. Maybe we've expected him to change a circumstance and the the circumstance didn't get changed. Or maybe we've expected for him to do something in us to change 
a thinking pattern or a habit, and it hasn't happened as quickly as we'd like it to. You know, in those moments, we can feel a little bit like the disciples. We can feel disappointed that Jesus hasn't lived up to our expectations. But just like Jesus had a bigger picture 2,000 years ago, and he knew something that the disciples didn't know, Jesus has a bigger picture and is working in your life. And sometimes that might mean not meeting our expectations. But imagine all that we would have missed if Jesus only worked within the framework of the, of the disciples' expectations. And the same is true for us. So as we head off to our Zoom morning tea this morning, I'd love for you to share with the group a time when Jesus has actually far exceeded your expectations. The resurrection far exceeded the disciples' expectations and I'm sure we've all got examples where we can say that Jesus has done something in our life that's far exceeded our expectations as well. So I'd love you to share that over Zoom this morning. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for this time together. God, we thank you for this day, the greatest day in history. And God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that our minds don't necessarily fully grasp who you are. But God, I pray that you would continue to reveal yourself to us. Help us to get to know you better. And I thank you that you will continue to far exceed our expectations. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church Podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers.